0: Welcome in. It is the Holy Grail BCJ podcast here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. And I wanted to uh, just give everybody a a deep thank you. A sincere thank you for supporting not only Bearcat Journal, but the Holy Grail throughout this basketball season, especially through conference play, the road games, uh, and, and Dave Sunday at the Holy Grail for the Houston game was an absolute madhouse i don't know i don't know how much justice the pictures did we walked in at about twelve ten, and the place was already about i don't know probably 60 70 percent full by the time the game popped onto the tvs they were on a wait and it was just an, an absolute zoo until the end of the game, so uh, awesome, awesome stuff. You guys supporting us like that are why businesses uh, keep looking to Bearcat Journal and keep uh, wanting to uh, to work with us. And why Red Helms is going to be a real thing. The Red Helms beer will be a real thing this football season. We're adding uh, we're adding a little something new to the mix this football season. So. Um, a lot of awesome stuff that, that's on the way. Uh, to add to that, on top of how awesome the Holy Grail is, by the way, I had a pot roast sandwich there last night before the uh, the USF game. Probably might be my favorite thing I've had there. Can't mess up. If you mess up a pot roast sandwich, something wrong. And that one was really, really good. Um, but St. Patrick's Day. Come join us on St. Patrick's Day. We'll be at Mio's in Clifton, hanging out, and then I think four o'clock is first pitch for uh, for the crosstown shootout baseball edition. So come hang out with uh, with us at Mio's, have some drinks, and then maybe go watch the uh, the Bearcats beat up on Xavier. And have a uh, have yourself a wonderful day, up in Clifton. So Dave, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got a busy day tomorrow. I'm going gonna, gonna to go up on campus and have a couple uh, exclusive one-on-one interviews tomorrow. That sounds exciting. One with uh, the University of Cincinnati's newest TikTok star, <laughs> Luke Fickle. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna ask him if he's contemplating leaving coaching uh, given his new career change in TikTok. If you didn't see the video, go watch the uh, the, the Go Bearcats football Twitter page. Absolutely hilarious of uh who was it was Jared Dokes. Who was the second guy? Could you tell? I think it was Dez. He had a, a beanie on. Wow. He didn't look maybe he just didn't look tall enough to be Dez for me. But at weird angle, not- they're shooting up. It might have been. It might have been. Um but uh, hilarious. And and you wanna you wanna relate to kids? That's how you do it. Cause kids eat that stuff up.
1: As far so, as I can tell, the college coaches who have done TikTok videos are now Mike Gundy and Luke Fickle.
0: And that is that's a it's a fun group to be a part of, in my opinion. They're both men. They're both at least forty. In their forties. I think that's so long ago, I think Gundy's in his fifties now. One ha- one has a f- just extravagantly fabulous mullet. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. The other one could beat you up at any given time.
1: Yes, he was actually for those that listen to the shutdown full cast podcast that I tweeted about from the Bearcat Journal account yesterday, Luke Fickle was I believe the number three overall pick uh, in the coaches' wrestling fighting uh, uh, draft. Who was ahead so, of it's it? A bit, uh, Kyle Whittingham and Coach O. I it mean, was a, a four, or five, four or five team draft. So it was one one guy's first pick. And he clearly was on everyone's board. And they were all a little upset that they did not get him, but uh, it's a very funny listen. I I suggest everyone listen to that podcast. It's the only, a joke, it's the only college football podcast on, in podcasting, yet they hardly ever talk about college football. It's a (laughs) great
0: listen. That's good. Uh, And then I'm going to have a, uh, I'll have a little chat with uh, a guy that I think is trending towards American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Trey Scott. So, those two pieces of content will be coming up. Uh, We've got the uh, spring preview from Brent, detailing linebackers and secondary coming up. Uh, Mick Walker is uh, contacting all the guys that were at the recruiting event on Sunday and putting together those stories. Um, Brett Stein... Getting ready to go uh, as In terms of uh, Finishing out the 2020 class And then getting really into the heart of the matter For 2021 So a whole lot going on At Bearcat Journal I, I was thinking about this Dave This might be blasphemy For some But I truly believe it I think we've got the best Bearcat Journal Staff we've ever had
1: I mean we, we certainly have
0: all angles
1: covered I would say for you know we have kind of a, a specialty for each thing yeah. which we've never really had um, you know I think everybody that's, that's on board loves doing the aspect that they're doing which always helps I know in the past you know you and I it's no secret we don't love chasing the recruiting I just don't stuff, have time for it and I
0: think Mick, yeah, was doing an outstanding Dude, job. Brent was. He, just... Mick is nuts. He just goes to these camps and, and doesn't even like say anything until he gets back from them. Oh, hey, by the way, I drove like 200 miles and watched a camp yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> hey, but, I mean, if that's, that's, he clearly knows what he wants to do, and
1: that's what you need to do to to meet, you know people like bill green and other people who you can use as a reference and get in that's you know getting into what you want to do
0: brent brent has done a phenomenal job you gotta you gotta press the flesh as they say you do so mick's been very good brent has done a phenomenal job i've asked that guy to fill more roles than anybody i've ever asked before and he just jumps on it knocks it out gets it done and uh now that we've got him into a reasonable word count, I think he's. Getting, <laughs> I think he's really starting to find his voice, and You're uh, saying his his ten palm efficiency rating is going up. Yeah, he, he's being much more efficient. Um, if you remember, uh, when he started doing football previews, they were so long I had to break them into three articles. <laughs> but he's been a fantastic addition, and, and you know we lost some guys. Some guys took on some different roles um, Over the past year and a year and a half But I think we've come out on the other end And we're producing A, a high level of content And quality content And really proud I mean I, I'm, I'm giving ourselves a commercial At the beginning of the podcast But really oh, proud no, of the, no, no
1: free ads
0: and I'm going to have to pay myself for this aren't I um, I, I'm very happy with where we're at. I, I think we are in a very good spot. Membership is the highest it's ever been. I think that is also a product of the quality of content we have been putting out. So uh, let's let's talk some UC. Everybody has uh, been clamoring for, uh, you know, a nice double-digit win on the hardwood. Yeah. That's what they got last yeah. night. Just a nice... Yeah, just a- nice double digit nice 36 win 36 to 11 run in the last 13 <laughs> minutes easy breezy easy breezy no no
1: never in doubt right no 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 I didn't didn't think for one second that you know they would just keep making all their shots
0: and we would keep turning the ball over you know i mean you it, obviously you have to give a lot of credit to john brannon I, I couldn't even fathom going through what he went through over the past five days.
1: It's But the way that the schedule broke,
0: I mean, it, it you know, obviously what happened
1: is like the worst thing ever, but it literally could not have happened at a worse time for him from a professional standpoint. Right. Um, yeah, for those guys to – for that to happen, go to Houston, kind of play like they did have to go straight to Tampa, you know, have a game basically 48 hours, you know, less than 48 hours later, come out the way they came out. I mean, it's just like, at some point, you're kind of just like, all right, the boulder on the back and the drain mentally, and not even physically playing like those many games. And then Jaron doesn't play. It's like, at some point, you're just like, you're just not gonna be able to handle it anymore. Like, at some point, you just kind of are like, not give up, but like
0: the weight, be, the weight you're, becomes you're, too you're,
1: heavy. Yeah. You're just kind of done. And like we we joke about it. Cause it's just, it's been the entire month of February, but like, I guess in basketball too, probably more than any other sport because the possessions change so fast. Like, I'm just like, how do you just go from what happened and then, Play the last thirteen minutes the way that they did. Like I, it, we've said this too many times. Yeah, but it just doesn't make any sense.
0: I mean, I think that like that's ultimately how we're going to remember this team, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this entire yeah, team. whether it's
1: whether it's losing games, they you have no business losing. Whether it's coming back and winning games, you probably have no business winning. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't make sense to go on the road you know, whatever, 36, 40 hours after you just played the best team in the conference and didn't play well to play another road game where you come out and let the opponent score the second most points they've scored in the first half all year, you get down 13, and then you come back and win by 12. Like, it doesn't – I mean, there's no real analysis needed because it, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, I mean Houston. The only analysis I've got is Houston's a better team right now. They they've are. got they've got a better roster. They've got more depth. Um, they're they're just playing better basketball right now. And when they were at home, and they they don't lose at home. And
1: you know, for about ten minutes of that game is when it was really just kind of like I don't know what happened, but.
0: Yeah, basically from the, and that's, that's what blew me away. And I, I tweeted about it and I've talked about it a little bit, but that stretch from three minutes left, everybody looks at the 20, the 22 off 26 off or whatever it was, the, the the 22 offensive rebounds that they had 16 of them were in a seven minute stretch from the final three minutes of the first half through the first four minutes of the second half. How do you get 16 offensive rebounds in seven minutes? How is that even humanly possible? I mean, clearly two a minute, and
1: you might not get – you barely can get two possessions in a minute. Right.
0: <laughs> you it's just play it straight. Like when I, I – when I I remember the six to start the first half because that really was like – that's where I feel like they got beat. Um, They just didn't have – coming out of the half they didn't have the energy that Houston had. Houston came out of the half like we're coming out to win a conference title and Cincinnati came out trying to survive basically. Um but at, at 16 and 7 minutes is is <laughs> that's a wild number. Of all the wild numbers we've seen this year, that is a wild number. Um and then I'm on the radio yesterday for Mo I have Justin Williams on at 5.15. Uh, Justin's in the tunnel uh, doing our interview. We hang up. He walks out of the tunnel, and there's Jaron in street clothes and a boot. And he tweeted it while we were at commercial break. Um, I got him back on the radio and yelled at him for not breaking the news live on air. Um, (laughs) But at that point, like, it felt like, the, the air was coming out of the balloon, right? Jaron's not going to play.
1: Yeah, because, like, yes, USF is not a good team. They've been okay at home. You have at to take into account – right. And But you have to take into account, even though they were winning games, you have to take into account the way that UC had been playing. Right. And you take away your best player on the road – with everything else that's been going on, with you know, already being down another guy because Jared, my Davenport's hurt, with the 36 hour turnaround, like, I don't I mean I can't fault anyone if their confidence level wasn't super high
0: that they were going to go win that game, right? Um, and then I mean, and Keith Williams and Trey Scott both had pretty good first halves. Each scored nine points. Um, Chris McNeil, two big threes that really were critical uh, in answering big shots from South Florida. Because, of course, a 30% three-point shooting team hits 56% in the first half. Uh, A 25% three-point shooter goes four for five in LaQuincy Rideau. And, again... Just felt like it was all going to finally fall apart. They come out and start in the second half. Battle back and forth for a little bit, but then South Florida hits another run. They're up by 13. There's 13 minutes left. John Brandon calls timeout. And, I mean, it very easily, they could have just tossed in the towel, right? At that point?
1: Sure. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's just—it's hard, you know. At some point in a game, whether I think whether guys want to admit it or not, there there has to be a little bit of a switch that goes—not that you stop playing hard, but you're like, they're just making everything. We're just not going to win. Like, but they—they they don't do that because that's happened. That's happened several times this year. So, it's a massive credit to everybody involved that they, they don't seem to to take that
0: mindset. And out of nowhere, Keith Williams goes from having a pretty good night to a career night. Scores seven straight Cincinnati points, uh, 21 in the, in the second half, 30 career high total, 12 of 18 from the floor two of four from the three-point line, was good at the free po- free throw line, and he had a couple times when he's got it going like that, there are times his first step is just, un- I mean, he was laying the ball in before South Florida reacted two or three times in the half court last night, and that's when you really know Keith's got it cooking.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he was, well, I think it helps too for him when he can get a couple outside shots to drop. Yeah. Just because it, it just makes the defender have to guard him out there and when they do his first step is, is more times than not much quicker. But yeah, he was attacking even a couple of plays in the first half where he was maybe a little bit out of control, but he was just attacking so hard that you're almost okay with it just because in a game like that, uh, when you're short-handed, you kind of have. I feel like you kind of have, even though you're short-handed. It almost benefits you to try to force the action versus almost playing reserve and and conserve energy. Because if you can force the action and get up, then then I think the harder thing to do is what they ended up doing, which was playing catch-up. Right. Because we always see teams get down and they catch up, and then, with, like for instance, the Iowa game this year, like they made that mad comeback, but then there were still four minutes left, Just out of gas. and they didn't have any, they didn't have any juice to to sustain it and take the lead and then keep it. So that's you see that a ton, um, but I mean to go with a thirty-six to eleven run, and a team that was sh- probably shooting, I don't know what it was exactly at the that moment when they hit the three to go of 13 had to be in the low to mid 50 percent and then to make two field goals in the last 13 minutes and like we
0: said I, I just it's without explanation the other guy of course that that was right there trey scott um 20 what 21 points 11 rebounds he's he, he's had a double double in 7 of the last 9 games the two that they missed that he missed were points not rebounds he's he's mm-hmm. been in, he's been in double digit rebounds for the past 9 games and he's statistically having about as good a season for a Cincinnati big man in like 35 years He's going to be the first well, double-digit rebounder since Jelly Jones on a season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been—I mean, it's my—it maybe has been two months. It might have been at least a bit towards the beginning or middle of January. Of, really of conference play when yeah. we, when when we talked about you know him being the most important player on the team, and I don't—I mean, he's my guy. I got the Trey Scott socks. They're undefeated. Like, but I don't think anybody could have envisioned this type of a sustained run, which makes me wonder. You know, they they can't finish any worse than third. Right. Like I, I'm trying not to be a homer, and I guess maybe Precious Achua would probably still be the front runner. But I don't want to say like regardless of where Memphis finishes in the league, but but in this stretch run, and to fin and to he's now been playing like this for a month straight, right? I mean nine games in a row, eleven rebounds or more, averaging seventeen and a half points. Expanded his game, has made at least one three in eight out of those nine games. So I mean nine games, half the conference season. If he does it again against Temple, that's more than half the conference season.
0: Who are you giving player of the year to if you're not giving it to him? Yeah, I mean, when you look, Houston is kind of a balanced attack. They really no, yeah, haven't no one, one guy. No, no one stands out to them as a player of the year in a conference. And Wichita State, kind of the same thing. Tulsa has three guys averaging between, what, 11 and 13 points. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, very, not, they're not. They're very di- similar to Houston not, there. Right. I mean, where you're looking at – you're probably looking at a couple, like, first-team all-conference guys from that group. But are you really looking at player of the year? And really, I mean, has Precious Achua been better than Trey Scott in conference play? Maybe –
1: I mean, that's – I mean, I don't – I can't answer that because I'm I'm not paying attention to every Memphis game going back to to January 1st to – you know, probably give a fair assessment, but like with Trey, it's not even like, you he know, got 13 points and then 12 rebounds. I mean, he's got 21, 22 rebound games. Right. He's got two, two 25 point games in games that he needed. They needed every bit of that. Every bit of the points, like the Memphis game. Every bit of the rebounds. These aren't in blowouts where he's just getting right. some tatted stats.
0: Or with an injured Jared you know, you know, yeah. a, a not one hundred percent Jaron Cumberland alongside of him. So he's had to do it. Right. Like I just if you ask the coaches in the conference,
1: like who's been the best player in conference play slash Most important player to their team. I mean, like I said, they're going to finish no worse than third. One, probably one game, a half of game behind first. So it's not like, you know, Houston went 16 and two and they're, you know, 12 and six. Right. They're right there. you know, split the series. You know, so I, I don't know. I'm trying not to be a homer. I just look at how he's played and the way he's played and what's that, what that has meant to them. You know, given that we know Jaron, even before this game against USF, has not been, you know, anywhere near 100% for, you know, probably two to three weeks. There's a you could tell, yeah. You know, there was a sharp moment from the Wichita State game at Wichita, Wichita where he right. was getting to the basket. To now, he's he's struggling to you know to do that, and he's just every time they've needed him, he's been there. Like it would be no fault of his, or to just like come back down to earth for a game. He's literally kept doing this. For, you know, I guess nine games equals roughly three weeks, roughly a month.
0: I mean, it's been it's been over a month because you've got yeah. time off in there, and it's been like five weeks, almost five and a half weeks since this run started. So hats off to him, man, because that's, you know, that's a kid that has truly worked for everything he's gotten, right? He didn't come in as an uber talented big time recruit. He took the long way five years. He was good for a lot of that time, but we never saw this coming. And he hit that, that that final stretch of his senior year and just hit a gear that unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, there's no way you could see this coming because like,
1: Kenyon never had a run like this. Yancey never had a run like this. Danny Fortin, I mean, they had, I would say, much better sustained either senior or junior years, but, like, for as good as Kenyon was, he didn't have any 20-something point rebound games. He didn't, didn't go back-to-back, like, 25 and 22. Right. Thanks for nothing, Xavier, by the way.
0: I mean, you knew that was coming. Why, of course, they're gonna do whatever is worse for Cincinnati. In case so. you're wondering, Xavier just lost by six at Providence. Of course. Am
1: I wrong for like getting some pushback, <laughs> like hoping that they would win on Twitter today? I'm like, I'm not rooting for them, but it I helps can't. you see if Providence loses.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get you. I just can't. i I've, I've tried. <laughs> Xavier fans are going to listen to this and want to strangle me. I, I tried for um, for a year to be neutral on Xavier. Oh. They were really nice <laughs> when Kelly was sick and it was the right thing to do. So I tried to do it. You playing the karma card or something? I, I mean, I was just, you know, I was trying. It didn't work. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to do It, it didn't work.
1: I them, but the the bottom line's the bottom line. Like we're on the bubble. It would yeah. help us if they won that game.
0: Yep. They didn't. Of course. Um Going forward. Well no, I'm not done talking about USF yet, actually. Because we gotta talk about do. Yeah. I'm not ready to say that he needs to be getting the majority of the minutes at center or that he should be getting equal minutes at center. I am. Um, I'm not because we consistently – we haven't seen him show what he showed last night. There have been plenty of times where you put him in for two minutes and it's a train wreck. Sure. So I'm not ready quite yet to say – He needs to take over that spot. What I am ready to say is kudos to John Brannan because that's what needs to happen is if you put him in and he gives you that spark and he changes things, just ride it, right? Like if you're getting Mamadou playing well right now, then you ride that horse until you can't. And he played the final 14 minutes last night, and it was a huge factor in changing the momentum of that game. I think there's certain teams. I think South Florida is
1: one of them in our conference. I think Temple's one of them. That he is probably a better option than Chris. I think there are other teams like Wichita State. Right.
0: Um, the teams with big kind of green centers. That, I don't think either of them I are, don't, are a good matchup for Houston, for being honest. No,
1: either of them are good. But but I think you know I think he's I think he needs his role expanded if I feel like he I mean, all guys do this. But I think he really does truly feed off of his own confidence. And if things yeah. are going good, he plays good and when when he has a few mistakes early, I think it snowballs into a point where you just can't put him in. Right. um, Which they don't have
0: that option right now. No, they're down to eight guys so, until Jaron gets
1: back. So whether, he's, whether you get last night or you get, I forget what home game it was, where it was kind of an abject disaster somewhat recently, he's got to play. Yeah. So you may as well let him know that he's going to get, you know, like you said, maybe not equal minutes. But he's going to be counted on, and he can't have these moments or these games where, you know, he reverts back to being ninth, tenth guy on the bench, and I'm only going to play four or five minutes. It's not really going to matter what I do. Right.
0: Yeah, those days are over. And probably for the rest of his career. Like, he's put himself in a position to be a legitimate piece to this puzzle going forward with how he's played over the back half of the season, right? Yeah, I think so. And we've, you know, we've. T- I don't know if
1: we've really said it on on our podcast or if it's just been in, in side conversations. Like, I think he is more of the type of five man that I feel like John wants
0: for the offense. I'd say he's more the type <laughs> of four man that John wants for the offense, actually. Yeah, four. Yeah, that's probably more true.
1: I just think his offense is so based on spacing and pulling the bigs out and picking and popping. And I'm not saying like Chris doesn't have a role. I think he definitely does. I mean, I believe me, I'm maybe numero uno pleasantly surprised at what he's been able to give them on the season, but it's also gotten, you know, pretty obvious as the season is stretched on that, the upping of talent that he's having to play has taken a toll. Like you can't not see that. So maybe in the perfect world, he's playing 15
0: to 20 minutes instead of 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, Probably more in the 20 to 23, I think is where I would agree with 20 to 25 instead of 30 to 35. I think that's probably about right. Um, And then, like I said, if there is a game where he doesn't have it and Mamadou does, then you roll with Mamadou. This is where, like, this is what kind of pisses me off, is this is where Jay Cerola screwed up. Because Jay Cerola could have been playing 15, 20 minutes a game right now. Yeah. If he'd have waited one more week, the pendulum was going to swing back in his direction. And he just bailed well, too he'd quick. Have played, he'd have played Houston twice, or he'd have played. He'd have played Wichita twice. But, I mean, I can't fault him. The kid went to go get paid. So, if you're getting paid, you're getting paid. Sure. Um it's all, it's all relative. And then Chris McNeil. Really good hitting the two threes in the first half. And and the combo of him and Mamadou guarding the ball screen in the second half. And they completely shut down LaQuincy Rideau. He had 14 points at halftime. He scored one point in the second half. David Collins never really got going. Um I thought that was as good as Chris McNeil has been in a long, long time. Well, because it was, right? Because he hasn't been good I mean, in
1: a long, long time. He scored more points
0: last night
1: than he had in like the previous seven, or eight games combined, or something. So, Correct.
0: and you hope but that again? This, the, the, you had
1: eight. You dude eight dudes. Yeah, he's got to play. So I mean he's not he's not playing thirty minutes, but he's gonna play. And if guys get you know, guys get in foul trouble, he's gonna they're gonna play even more. I mean, it's all hands on deck. <laughs> like there's no there's no hiding anybody right now.
0: No. No, there's no place to hide. And and that's gonna be evident again as we get to Saturday. You know Temple's gonna wanna come in here and, and spoil the party. I don't, I don't, you know, they have not had a good season. They've had a couple flashes here and there. But it's going to be interesting to see how they handle the Jaron situation. Because I, I, my guess is he's going to tough it out and play on Saturday. But I don't think so. how short is the leash? Like if he gets out there and you can tell he's not moving right, he doesn't have it, it's not clicking, how quick do you pull that trigger now that you know what this team looks like uh, playing a whole game without him
1: i think i think you're probably just a little more judicious with his minutes i guess is the right word like before when you would try to steal a little extra time before tv timeouts maybe you now steal even more. Like, he only plays the first three minutes of the game, sits for a minute, plus the TV timeout, plus the start of play after that. Then he goes back in for, like, another three minutes and kind of do the same thing if you can. Obviously, if he says he can go and you need a win, he's going to play. Right. they have to win, so True. if he's if he's available, you know, I, I knowing him and knowing how he is, I don't think he's one to be available on a pitch count, so to speak. Like if he's going to lace him up, he's going, and it's up to John to kind of pull him back a little bit and be like, "I know this is senior night and we need the win, but you know." We also can't have you. We can't have win the game and then have him out for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just such a tough. It's it's such a weird spot because if you lose, you're gonna have to if win three win. games in three days.
1: If they lose, they they have to win the conference tournament.
0: Right. So it's a home
1: game. It'll be their
0: it'll be their fifth q q three loss. Right. Like. They ain't getting that large. So you have to do everything you can to win. I think that goes without saying, because with only eight guys and nine guys and and Jaron Cumberland being highly questionable um, because of his heel, winning three games in three days is going to be very difficult for this group as is currently constructed, right? So I think you have to chances You have to go all out to win this game on Saturday night. What are the chances he can even play three games in three days? Right. We just saw on a quick turnaround from Sunday to Tuesday he wasn't able to give it a go.
1: I mean, they'll be done Saturday, and they'll play Thursday. Friday. That's not – I mean, is it Friday yet?
0: They've clinched a bye.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so – I can't see him
0: not playing. I can't does, either. Does, temp, does Temple style help them, though? Because a little bit. I mean, they don't really pressure you. They kind of sit back. And they're just – they want to play more up-tempo. Offensively.
1: With, which, yeah. yeah, offensively, which helps. Because you do have – I guess you do have more guards than big men. So you can play a little bit smaller even if he's not in. Right, and it, I don't. I don't think it kills them, because he's. I mean, he's. He's a. You know, he's a decent rebounder, but given the injuries and and the way he plays, it's not like he's down in there mixing it up a ton. True. You know, and they're going to have a lot of the times they're going to have Alonzo Moore and the Pierre Louis brothers out there. They're not, you know, big time guard rebounders. No, they're not. Um, so maybe maybe you can not. I'm not saying he doesn't play because you think you can beat them without him. That's foolish. But I mean, maybe like I said, you can do a little bit of a minute reduction and see how it goes, at least in the first half.
0: Yeah, I mean that's definitely possible. And you just say, look, you know, Keith Trey, when he's on, when he when he comes out, we're gonna need you to be, you know. Yeah, what we
1: if saw, if saw the other ten night in the, if he plays ten minutes in the first half and he feels okay and you are comfortable in the flow of the game, then maybe you take that same approach to the second half and just see how the second half goes.
0: They there's no way they can lose on Saturday, right? There's no way. I mean Temple's not good.
1: I mean, they're down 10 right now at home. Well, they're going to lose. They're down 10 at home to Tulsa. They've only scored 44 points, and there's a minute and a half left in the game.
0: Right.
1: They're not good. It's senior night.
0: They're playing out the string at this point.
1: This team, for all the ups and downs and flaws and, and whatnot, I mean, they're still really, really hard to beat at
0: home. Oh, oh, I don't see it. I don't either. That and, and I mean, this, temp,
1: the, the, we, I think we're a little jaded because of that first, gonna, the, I don't know, the, what was it? 30 minutes of the Temple game where they couldn't miss? Yeah. They're an awful offensive team. Yes. So, they're going to come in here where no one else has been able to and, and put up a bunch of points or something? I mean, like, I'm just trying to –
0: I don't I don't know. I don't I don't I don't see it. I'm with you. I, I don't see it.
1: I mean o- outside of a random 93 point game against Yukon they haven't scored over 16 over 70 points since well seven games.
0: Yeah. And and Cincinnati's going to remember this is a Temple team that scored 80-whatever-they-did-the-first-time-around. That was super hot for 30 minutes. I don't see it. Cincinnati gets a win. They go into the conference tournament on a two-game winning streak. I think if they get one, there's a really good chance they make it. If they get two, then they're, they'll be in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I think... Yeah. I, they win it. They beat Temple. They win their first game in Dallas. I think they're they're pretty safe. They get to the finals and then they're a lock.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right, I guess let's uh <clears throat> let's transition. But before we transition, I want to remind everyone that the basketball segment of the BCJ podcast every week is brought to you by Leah's Landscaping, a reminder that our very own Justin Berg feeds his family with his landscaping business. It's called Leah's Landscaping, L-I-A-S. They do everything from mulch to retaining walls, contact Berg with a private message or find Leah's Landscaping on Facebook. Bearcat fans get preferential treatment, Xavier fans get charged double. Berg was excited. Somebody reached out last week, so he got his first Bearcat Journal referral. So if you're looking for landscaping work, if you're looking for landscaping work, contact Justin Berg, have him come out, take a look, get a quote, talk some Bearcat basketball, and you'll be good to go. All right. As we have been talking about for what feels like weeks now, what Danny knows, it has been weeks. Uh, The Bearcats have rounded out their coaching staff. Greg Scruggs added last week uh, as the defensive line coach. And then Dan Enos and Perry Eliano were uh, not officially announced by UC yet. But the information is at least out there uh, that those two guys are in place. Um, Easy to tell because in one of the training videos last week that they sent out, Dan Enos was there. And then in the recruiting picture that was sent out uh, from the the Golden Ticket event Sunday, Perry Eliana was there. So they do a good job confirming those things. Um, and yeah. then a surprise on Sunday. As I got word that Armand Binz would be coming back to work as a quality control analyst. Sure enough, I go to his, uh, his Twitter page and it's listed as Quality Control Analyst, University of Cincinnati. Uh, they released some pictures today of the last day of training before spring football starts on Saturday. And lo and behold, there's Armand Benz. The awesome was, that guy a, Armand was that a Mike, Mike Mickens for Armand Benz trade? Kind of. Well, no, uh, Benz was at Hampton last year. Oh, he had gone – okay,
1: that's right. I, for some reason, I thought he would still at Notre Dame. I forgot that he went to Hampton.
0: Yeah, well, he was a quality control guy at Notre Dame. He went to Hampton to be a wide receiver coach. Yeah. And now uh, they're bringing him back in a quality control role. And uh, I'm sure he'll be around the wide receiver room uh, as much as NCAA guidelines allowed. Um, But Danny knows you get a guy that's been a head coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's worked at Alabama as a quarterback coach. He has been at the highest levels of the sport. And you get him as your running back coach. I think that is very good. I know people have opinions on Dan Enos. Uh, The people at Miami and Florida hate him, but he's got a great relationship with Gino. From what I know, he's got a very good relationship with Mike Denbrock, and they believe he's a guy that can come in uh, and give them at least a a different voice in that offensive uh, meeting room. And I think you get Dan Enos here to coach running backs. That's doing pretty good. That's what I thought. I mean, it's, Sometimes I think we need to
1: to be more honest of where we are and and what we're doing. It's mid-February. we we're, we're as much, as good as things have been the last couple of years. We're it's G- early still words. in the American.
0: It's early. March, still,
1: well, I mean, when he was <laughs> when he I was know. probably first contacted. I know when we started looking for a running back's coach. You know, we still have salary constraints because of our conference situation. Like, are, you're getting a guy that's been a head coach, and an offensive coordinator at Alabama, at Miami. Like, I'm not sure what better from an experiential standpoint and, and just a coaching standpoint. Like, it's, it's hard to get coaches to leave jobs in February. We saw it firsthand
0: yeah so I think you could have done a lot worse than that I completely agree on that and then Perry Eliano I don't know a ton about him yet Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of get to know him a little bit as spring gets started um from my understanding well obviously if you look at his resume easy to, to tell he was the defensive coordinator at Bowling Green when Mike Mickens was there from my understanding Mickens uh recommended him very highly uh, he came in and impressed in the interview process. I think uh, from what I've heard, there's the way that, that those positions are taught um, are very similar. He was uh, very familiar with the language and the way that, that things are taught at Cincinnati. Um, obviously, he had taught Mike a lot as Mike was, was getting his, his foothold in D1 coaching at Bowling Green. Um, so a similar coaching style and I think again, you get a guy that's, that's been a defensive coordinator at several stops and you get him as your cornerback coach, maybe a little bit more unknown in that one, but still I think pretty damn good.
1: Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing is when you're, when you're at this level and you're, and you're trying to build off of the two seasons that they have and i'm not trying to make this like an age bias thing but i'm not big on first chances right now like i, I want got i want guys with experience that you're not i mean yes you got to teach them the system and everything but like i don't want we're trying to get to 12 and 0 and win a conference and play in a major major bowl game i'm not trying to teach someone how to coach and Do teach technique. Like I want guys that have done it, and then I feel confident I can say, "Here's what we're gonna do. Go do it." And I'm not saying young guys can't do that, but like the situation, they're still learning. UC UC is a great place to learn, but right now we don't got time for learning. We 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 we're here. We got time for winning. That's it.
0: I'm with you. I mean, I and I think both of those guys fit that. And I think if you want to groom people to learn, you know what you do? You hire them as a quality control analyst and you teach them how you want to do things. (laughs) And then if a job comes open that fits that player or that former player or whoever you're you're talking about, then maybe you move them up. So maybe that's the plan with Armand Benz down the road.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like
0: you know, former players
1: or any, any, anything. I'm just talking young, young coaches in general. Right. You know, so I, I mean, I think given the timing, given contracts and things like that, you know, time will tell obviously. Um, But I think they were, they seem to be,
0: you know, solid hires. And I, you know, and here's the other thing. Both of those guys are walking into pretty stacked rooms. Right. And I, and I think Luke has
1: earned with his hires a whole lot of benefit of the doubt because when he's had to make hires from his first staff to now, I feel like he's, you know, advanced those. I don't know. I'm not, I want to say all because I'm just, that's, blanket and I'm, I might be forgetting something, but, like, right. I think moving from, you know, from start to where they are now, I feel like the staff is better, especially at some
0: positions. I would agree. Um, spring football, Saturday. Good, uh it's gonna be really interesting to see like how this spring football is handled I, I know there are and there always are there were guys that had some some cleanup work done guys that won't be available in the spring um we'll get into that after the first practice who's gonna get a chance to step up who's gonna step up at at linebacker <coughs> I, I I think it's what how the offensive line shakes out early uh we talked about it last week a lot but uh, I'm excited for what we see this spring.
1: Oh, cool. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. I mean, I, I think this is, you know, we're saying this in the very, very beginning of March. I I think we didn't know this going into 09. I'm not going to sit here and say that this team is going to be better than that team. Right. But I think overall talent-wise and expectations, this team is better than that team at that point in time.
0: So, fair. Uh, maybe. I'm not ready to take that leap quite yet, just because I don't know. Um, does this team have the star power of a Marty Gilliard? That that would be where I would say t- no. I, I know what you're saying. I'm saying the only reason I would maybe lean towards that '09 team in terms of like what's going to happen is, um, you had a guy that, nice. that in any, March we didn't know that well anything we knew, about that. We knew Marty was really good from the year before.
1: Yeah, but they like they weren't anywhere near the top 25 when the season opened, and this team is going to be in the top 20.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. I checked with the uh, the judges. The judge will, judges will allow it. <laughs>
1: I'm not saying that
0: they're going to be better because, I mean, that team was a second away from playing from a
1: national championship. So that would be a ludicrous thing to say. I just think at this point of the offseason, going into a spring practice, based on what we saw last year, based on what's returning, all of that, you know, I think this is this team is right up there with that team is what we should expect. And with the defense, I mean, assuming everybody's healthy and everybody, you know, does what they have shown they're capable of doing, they're going to choke
0: some people out next year. Yeah. All right, before we go, two things. And these are a little little off the beaten path. Um, I didn't see this yesterday and I'm just now seeing it. But hats off to the SWAC. Did you see what they did yesterday? Yeah. The Southwest Athletic Conference.
1: Yeah, the snacks.
0: Is he in the Southwest Athletic Conference? Yes. Do you know what they did? Yeah, he was he was bombing bombing threes. No, but do you know what they did? What they played the a manager. No, they named him conference player of the week. Oh, no, I didn't see that part. Breaking news, deep range, uh, JSU Tigers deep-range shooter Thomas Snacks Lee has been named SWAC Player of the Week. The Jackson, Mississippi native leads the league in social media views as, and is a legitimate scoring <laughs> threat from anywhere on the court. They put Thomas Snacks Lee minutes per game two, points per game three, social media views five million. That's you know what I like fantastic. The most That's about fantastic. That
1: The the thing that that goes right to my heart about him was he got up four threes in the two minutes that he was in the game.
0: And the one he hit was from the bench. I mean, it was deep. It was a bomb.
1: Like, it it, it literally bothers me when, like, the walk-ons get in and try to play, like, team ball and, like, find the open man. Like, just shoot it. Get up the shots. And this this dude, he he is all me. Like, yep. I'm gonna
0: play. This is the only time I'm ever gonna play, and I'm shooting every time I touch it. <laughs> and, the, and the guys were getting in the ball, like get it up. Oh yeah, get it of on course. the rim, bro. So kudos not only for for to snacks, but to the SWAC for naming him league player of the week. That's phenomenal. It doesn't. I also get loved more. how he had like the, he had the tights on under shorts. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, you know <laughs> like what? he was he was not missing his opportunity to be. You're daffed up in full uniform. You know who I thought he was at first? I thought he was... Remember the kid that played against Taco? In high school. Oh, in high school that was like, how am I supposed to get around this guy? Right. I thought when he first came in, I was like, is that the dude that played against Taco in high school? And was like looking at him like, what am I supposed to do with this? I thought it was He's like the rolling his eyes at yeah, the bench. It wasn't, but I thought it, I thought it was. Um the other one how disappointed in you are are you in humanity with how few people um I mean no uh, have watched Animal House. I'm I'm disgusted by it. Like seeing your mentions
1: and how many people were like, "Oh Chad, the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor." Like, I can't be associated with those people, so I'm going to have to go back through your mention from the Bearcat Journal Twitter account and unfollow and maybe block (laughs) anyone who said that because it's it's just disgusting. Like, it's easy... I mean, I have seen that movie because of my dad, I'm not kidding you, at least a hundred times. Like, that's not a joke. And... For people of any age above, like, 18 to not get that reference, you know, says a lot about them. And if they're college kids, says even more about their parents. Because <laughs> their parents aren't going to be a whole lot older than me. Right. So they have seen them, more than likely seen the movie, which if you've seen it and your kid hasn't seen it, and he's in college or she's in college, what the hell are you doing? The funny like, thing it, is, it I, awful. Like, I, 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 I knew I as soon first, as I maybe, sent like, it. People, I thought at first people were like messing with you, and then it kept happening. I'm like, no, these people are just
0: that dumb. I knew it as soon as I sent it that my and just I, I know how you know, and you get it too with the Bearcat Journal account. When you say something, a, a joke that people don't get, you get well actually 500 times, and that one sets up for if you don't know the movie of course you're going to well actually well actually the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor Chad by the way (laughs) if you're if you're that guy stop and and you're following us yeah just 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 stop just stop actually Chad it was the Japanese that bombed Pearl Harbor block 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 Jeez, Louise. I mean,
1: if you're listening, take two hours out of your weekend this weekend. I'm sure you can find Animal House on some channel. I don't know if it's on Netflix or Hulu or if you got YouTube streaming. Find it and just watch it. Yep. And you don't have to come back and tell Chad that you watched it and now you get the joke. Just be a better American and human because you've watched one of the great comedies of of the last 50
0: years. Of all time. Truly it. it. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? It was the Japanese. Fat, dumb, and stupid is no No way way to go go through through life, life. son. (laughs) All right. I I also... uh, I just got a text from somebody that was at the coach's show. And I, I've tried, like, I haven't talked much about John and his dad and his family because it's it's personal for me, one. <clears throat> and getting through it isn't easy for what, what he's done. Um, but I just got a text from somebody I know at the coach's show. And they ran into John's mom. And with everything that's going on, the first thing she asked about was Kelly. And that's the Brandon family in a nutshell. Like, for him to, to do what he did this week and to go through what he's going through, is still at the coaches show tonight. And for his mom to be thinking about me and Kelly, like, you know, four days after her husband passed away, that just, that shows who the Brandon family is. And say what you want, Cincinnati's got a really, really good man coaching their basketball team. And I I do think that matters.
1: Absolutely. Sure, it matters. Nobody wants a, you know, a, a sweet, you know, you cover things up if you win, but no one wants uh fleas running their program. And John is, is obviously far from that. I mean, so, that's absolutely, it's, it's,
0: you know, outstanding to hear. Yeah. All right, man. I think I'm done. You done? Yep. I think I'm uh, all set. All right. Well, here we go. Season on the line. Saturday, Senior Day. If they can get the win. They put themselves in a pretty good spot heading into the conference tournament, or at least as good of a spot as a team with four quad three losses uh, is going to be in at this point in the season. So uh, we'll see you there, The Third Arena. Uh, I believe the ceremony starts about seven forty. Tip off at eight o'clock. Um, so get there early. Cheer on Trey and Jaron. And Javen and Chris McNeil and I believe Jay Sarola is gonna Skype in from Spain. Oh, is he? Yeah. We'll see you next time. one of the walk ons too is a senior, right? Uh Coase is a senior, yeah, I believe.
1: Yeah.
0: Can't forget. How could you ever forget John Coase?
1: Uh well, I mean I'm not. that's why I said that. I know. I'm, I'm not yelling at to. I'm
0: yelling at myself, damn it. All right. <laughs> That wraps it up. We will see you next time. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast on BearcatJournal.com.